Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions. Hey, this is George from Tom's River. I love your show. Listen to the podcast. So I'm looking at some of these cheap options on these growth stocks. Do you think an option for 2023 is a smart idea? And provides unbiased answers. So it's more about the underlying economic conditions and what's driving this. What's driving this rotation is the dollar going down and interest rates going up. InvestTalk, over 31 million downloads and counting. Hi, uh, Dave from Ohio. Love your podcast. I'm hooked. Listen to it every night. Your thoughts on annuities. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our May 17th, 2021 edition of Invest Talk. I appreciate you all tuning in this hour. And as always, I'm going to do my best to help you make that next step in your financial journey, in your in your path towards financial freedom. Uh, it's going to take step after step after step. A lot of people want it to be one big giant step, but more often than not, it's just taking incremental steps uh, and making good investment decisions. And some of those investment decisions turn off, turn out fantastic. Some not so great. Um, others a lot better than you ever expected. But the more times that you can put the odds in your favor the better chance you have of coming out on top. And that's really what investing is about. There's no guarantee. It's never easy. You never know the outcome. But once again, if you make solid, smart decisions with your money, then you will come out on top and you will find that financial freedom. And so in order to help you this hour, I'm going to operate with my mission statement, as always, which is independent thinking and shared success. I'm not Kramer. I'm not going to bang any bells or whistles. I'm just going to share with you my knowledge that I've developed over the last 20 years, as well as the data that I have in front of me to help you understand what's going on in the market, to explain different investment processes, to talk about individual stocks or an industry or or an asset class, whatever it is, I'm going to present it all without bias. I'm just going to give you the facts as I see them. And I want you to share in our success. Now, I'm Justin Klein. I encourage you to contact us with your finance and investment questions. When you do that, you get the shape to show. So I encourage you to give us a call right now during our live stream program, 4 to 5 Pacific Time. Or if you're listening after hours, you can leave a question on our Anytime Invest Talk Voice Bank. Either way, that number is always 888 chart so let's get right to our first listener question now. Hey, this is George from Tom's River. I love your show. Listen to the podcast. You know, the growth stocks have been getting hit lately, and obviously you guys were talking about that for a while, about the cycle from growth to value, value to growth. So I'm looking at some of these cheap options on these growth stocks, and I wanted to know what your guys' opinion is 
about when you think the cycle will come back, that growth stocks will be, be valued again. You know, when, when do you think the growth stocks will see an uptick? Do you think an option for the end of the year is a smart thing? Do you think an option for 2023 is a smart idea? If you can give your take, an opinion and take about how these long these cycles tend to play out, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Great question. Fantastic question because you're really hitting on the ethos of what the market rotation is looking like underneath the surface. And it is that consistent underperformance of growth and outperformance of value, which is uncharacteristic of the past 14 years. And this trend started in September of last year, really when interest rates bottomed. Interest rates bottomed in August. And, you know, it's never right on time, but it's about the same time. And these are long-term cycles. So growth has outperformed value since 2007. Okay. And if you look back, 2007, you had the 10-year trading at about 5%. Yeah, you could get 5%. Now we're at 1.64. Everyone thinks, oh, interest rates are going up. We still potentially have a long way to go. Uh, and previously, the seven years before that, from about 2000, remember, tech bubble bursting, that was the start of value outperforming growth into 2007. So that was seven years where value outperformed, and the last 14 years, really, growth has outperformed value. Uh, now, does that mean you're going to go through another 14-year cycle? Maybe it's 10, maybe it's 7, maybe it's 5, but it's bare minimum going to be 3 years, okay? Bare minimum. So it's more about the underlying economic conditions and what's driving this. What's driving this rotation is the dollar going down and interest rates going up. As long as that trend continues, you're likely going to see value continue to outperform growth. Okay. Now, you get certainly get back to a level where growth stocks are undervalued and uh, everyone is poo-pooing the idea of tech stocks and, and the sentiment gets so bad, uh, maybe that's a, a catalyst for uh, jumping into some sort of uh, buying call options or buying individual names, etc. But we're so far away from that. We're literally less than a year into this cycle starting. Nine months, really. Eight, call it. So there's a long way to go here. And there are so many stocks that are still, after dropping 30, 40, 50%, are still drastically overvalued. Many of these names in the tech sector, in the growth side of the market, are going to go down 80, 90% from their peak. That's what happens. Once financial, once the tide turns, the market and investors start to focus on valuation and the fundamentals of the business and away from just simply momentum. And a lot of the, the trade over the past 14 years uh, has been driven by low interest rates, but also momentum investing, just chasing that return. And now the tide is going the other way. And you need to be aware of that. And understand the underlying dynamics that are creating this shift. And once again, that is a weaker dollar and a higher interest rates and higher inflation. And so in that environment, different types of stocks outperform, and that's typically value. So as long as the fiscal policy is staying the way it is, I think you're going to see this continued trend. So 
be patient and wait till everyone hates tech stocks. We're not even close to that yet. You're listening to Invest Talk, and my focus point today is based on the story How to Win a Real Estate Bidding War. Real estate market's obviously heating up, and I'm going to break down that for you. But how did the market do today? We're going to check in right now. Let's look at the S&P. That was down 10 points, modest down day on the S&P. The NASDAQ, that was down a little bit more. So 10 points on the S&P, about a quarter of a point down. Uh, NASDAQ was down 50 basis, uh, 50 points, which is uh, a little more than a quarter. So a slightly worse performance there. But if you look at the, the equity style boxes over at Morningstar, it's always a great read. And you can see definitely the growth side underperformed. Mid-cap growth was down nearly 1%. Small-cap value was up 0.75%. And gold, gold really broke out today. You saw that uh, Bitcoin and crypto, I've been saying this for the last couple weeks, I'm very cautious for the next, basically till 4th of July, on crypto. Anything crypto-related, I think I think you're going to see a two-handle on Bitcoin. Uh, even Ethereum, while has relative strength, is also in a downtrend. Dogecoin, all those things that the whole narrative space is kind of coming undone. Uh, I've said we're past the point of the March 2000. We're now the tide has turned, okay, and you have to be aware of that. And what's undervalued to me is gold. The fact that inflation has been heating up, that so much money has flown into supposedly a hard currency in Bitcoin, and gold has not really done a whole lot over the past nine months or so. Since August, it, it peaked, right? The GDX peaked at about 40, 45, went all the way down to about 31. Now we're at back to 40. So really, gold has not gone anywhere when the equity markets, copper, all the other commodities have gone up. So I think there's still a lot of room there to go. Okay. And the 10 year that was about flat, about half a basis point there, but mainly modest down day and commodities continued to break out. And that should not shock anybody. Now we're heading into a quick one minute break and I'm ready to answer your finance and investment questions right now. So give me a call at 888-99-CHART. Steve and Justin have recorded a special bonus podcast. It's a fast-paced learning podcast for the average investor. It's free, so be sure to tell your friends. It can be downloaded now at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and investtalk.com. Look for Rapid Fire Hour. Let's head over to a local caller, to me anyway. Talk to Vic in Los Angeles. He's looking at Blackstone, and do you own it or looking to buy it? Looking to buy it. Okay. Why do you want to buy it? What you're thinking? Um, I'm just looking for kind of a diversified holdings group, kind of like a Berkshire. Um, and it's it's had some really good momentum, but I'm just wondering if that'll keep up and uh, whether or not their dividend is stable. Okay. Well, I definitely wouldn't call this a diversified type of uh, company. They're very focused in the the finance sphere. Real estate, private equity, hedge fund, credit insurance. Berkshire is, is far more diversified from industrials to companies like Geico. 
uh, and the like. So they're far more diversified. This is very asset management, financial, financial services driven, and that's what's uh, really driving the the results recently is the fact that and financials are are uh, doing better, and they have a lot of real estate holdings and real estate prices, as you know, have gone kind of crazy. Um, so that's really driving the price momentum. Now the question is on the dividend. Well, if you look at the history of this, their dividends all over the place. 2011, they they paid 62 cents a share in dividends. 2012, down to 52. Then all the way up to two dollars and ninety cents in 2015. Then down to a dollar 66 in 2016. Back up to 232. They've been growing it up to 242 in 2018, and then a dollar 91 last year. So their dividend is all over the place. So this is not one of your consistent dividend payers by any stretch of the imagination. And historically, their profitability is very up and down and has averaged, return a a equity has averaged probably in the, the low teens over the last decade or so, uh, and, but trailing 12 months, 58%. So you're kind of buying it at the high end of this cycle. Uh, and so my answer is, I think this is a very poor entry longer term. Now, near term, financials will likely get a, a tailwind, um, but... I would be very wary of this uh, at these valuations longer term. So I'm, I'm going to give this uh, a thumbs down unless it's just some sort of near-term momentum trade. Thanks for the call, Vic. Let's go to Ramiro in San Jose looking at, is it TTCF? Hi, hello? Yes. Can you hear me? Hi. Uh, yeah. Um, I have a question about uh Tattooed Chef, they manufacture plant-based prepared food and ingredients in California and Italy. So this looks like kind of a smaller Beyond Meat. Would that be a good way to describe it? Yeah. Okay. Well, it has pulled back. You're right. It's down 37% from its 52-week high. Supposed to lose seven cents this year, but make 30 cents next year. Revenue is growing at about 60% last quarter, even though they lost money. Uh, is that just really your your thesis here? Is that uh, it's it's a smaller way to play the trend of, I guess it maybe a cheaper way to play the trend of of a, uh, I guess plant based protein. Yeah, I mean, huh. right now my average cost base is twenty three dollars. I don't have too much invested in it, but mm -hmm. I mean, based off the numbers that I'm seeing, it seems promising. But yeah. Well, let me uh, look at this, and I'll answer you right after the break. You're listening to Invest Talk. Give me a call at 888-99-CHART. Look at the calendar. We're already moving through the second quarter. The market has been interesting. And serious investors need to bring their best game. Invest Talk is here to help. The phone lines are open. 888 99 Chart. 
And when you download the free Invest Talk podcasts, don't forget to rate and review. I know we're talking to Ramiro, is looking at Tattooed Chef. And this is an interesting one. Uh, I was looking at it over the break. And I, I don't mind the chart, it's making higher highs and higher lows. Even though it's pulled back here, it still stayed above its December low, which is uh, right around $14 a share. Now we're at 1801, crossed the 50-day moving average, sorry, the 20-day moving average over the last couple of trading days, and that's a positive. And it's not terribly overvalued if you're looking at it on a uh, price-to-revenue multiple. It's trading somewhere in the neighborhood of six or seven times revenue. Uh, it's not that profitable, so that's what worries me the most in this environment. Non-profitable companies are, are tend to struggle. So yeah. my out would be 14. If it breaks 14, that tells me, okay, it's no longer making higher highs and higher lows. It's now making a lower high. Sorry, excuse me, a lower low. Um, and so that would be my out. I don't mind picking up more because the trend over the, the longer term is still up. Um, and it's not egregiously overvalued. I just don't love the name because it's so new and there's not a whole lot that I can really glean from its business except for the fact that it's growing nicely uh, but not in a profitable way, but that's not uh, unusual. So I would just have my out at 14. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Herbert in San Antonio. He wants to talk about the market. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, hi, Justin. Thank you so much for taking my call. And I have a question regarding a company... It's a uh, Compass Diversified Shares of Beneficial Interest, ticker symbol is C-O-D-I. And I'm looking to take a position in that company. Uh, I'm just asking, basically, is this a good uh, number to go in, or should I wait for a little pullback? What are your thoughts? Okay, so this is C-O-D-I. It's diversified. What are its brands? Let me look at its brands here. Uh, looks like in the biking sector. Is that correct? I'm sorry. Uh, say that again. I'm sorry. Uh, it looks like its brands are in the biking sector. Is that correct? Yes, the finance okay. sector. Oh, fine. This is diversified. I'm trying to really understand uh, this business here. Uh, industrial. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't understand what they do exactly. Do you have any insight on that? Like a little mini Berkshire, they purchase uh, okay. other companies. They purchase them and they manage them, uh, mm-hmm. and they're kind of they're kind of under the radar. So I was mm-hmm. hoping to get more info on that. Um, they look like a solid company. They do have a lot of cash flow. Got it. Okay. Uh, it did have a pretty nice sell-off last week. It was actually a pretty bearish move on the chart. So I will say that. That that definitely worried me technically, although it is still above major moving averages and uh, longer term is fine. So it's to make $2.24 this year after losing money last year. Let me look. If it's a mini Berkshire, then their profitability has to be very, very strong. And it's really all over the place, to be honest with you. Even though cash flows continue to go up here, um, you know, reasonable valuation. I can't say it's overvalued. I wouldn't say it's necessarily undervalued either. Um, but once again, my worry is that recent move. It needs to repair that. It needs to get back above twenty-seven dollars a share for me to see this move last week as just a blip. 
Um, so valuation, it's okay. And chart-wise, it's good, but weakening, and that worries me. So um, I, would keep, I would be patient on this uh, until you get some resolution on the chart, which uh, I'm not there yet. Thanks for the call. Now, do I have time to fit in my focus point? Well, maybe I can start and finish on the other side of this break. And what we're talking about today uh, is basically a bidding war. And according to Redfin, 74% of offers faced bidding wars last month uh, in the real estate world. And on average, every home sold in the month of March had five offers on it, according to the National Association of Realtors. And... I've said this before, how the moratorium on mortgage foreclosure and rent uh, evictions are really driving this lack of supply. Everyone's going to say, "Oh, they don't want people don't want to sell their homes." Well, people don't want to sell their homes or move out when they're not paying their mortgage or not paying rent. Why would they move somewhere else where they're ha they're going to have to? That's a big factor in this. Most people point to COVID and not wanting to move, but I don't really think that's the case. At least that's not what I'm seeing. But the big question is, if you do want to buy a house, which I always encourage people right now to be patient, it has to be really the right move for you. Uh, and you can do some basic things if you are really still trying to buy a home, getting pre-approved, that's, that's pretty clear. Uh, but preparing is the key. Understand your market. Look at homes priced below your budget. Because guess what? You're likely going to have to get into some sort of a bidding war. And you want to still be able to afford it if you have to go up from the asking price. And you have to know. How much do you value different aspects of the home? How much do you really love it in order to get into a bidding war? Because guess what? In this environment, you better really love your home. You better be in there for 10 plus years if you're going to buy in this market. So I'm going to pick this up on the other half of the break, but I'm ready to take your calls at 888-99-CHART. From sunrise to sunset. Have a question about gold and silver. From dusk till dawn. So I'm wondering what y'all think. The questions keep coming. I have a question about symbol STLD. From down the street, around the corner, and across the country. Hello, uh, Steve Justin uh, Milani here from Bay Area. This is Curtis from Alabama. Hi, Steve. This is Gary from Massachusetts. Invest Talk listeners have one objective financial freedom. Your opinion on Costco. How they get there and when they get there is up to them. I have started investing. But Steve Peasley and Justin Klein can help improve their strategy with unbiased investing guidance. I really enjoy the podcast. I think I'm finally starting to understand the, the language and, and what to look for. Thank you very much. Listen live or download the podcast investtalk.com. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture? I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, 
It's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in, patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com slash today. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. The markets react to uncertainty. Are you prepared? Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Your financial future depends on the answers to those questions. Justin Klein is here now and ready to talk with you. Call Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. Now, before the break, I was touching on the real estate market and the things you can do to really be successful, not just in this market, but really any market. And I talked about getting pre-approved, preparing, understanding the market so that your offers make sense in light of the underlying situation and the underlying dynamics of that market. Another is to have everything lined up when you're making your offer. When I say that, I mean your inspector, uh, your lawyer, 
um, all the things that are going to happen, know that uh, ma make sure the seller knows that you're organized to make this actually close. That you're not that you're very serious and ready to get to work to check all the boxes that are needed. So maybe even having the inspection already on the schedule. That's a good one. Okay. Also, don't renegotiate over stupid stuff. Obviously, there's major things, pipes leaking and uh, foundational issues, etc. But if there's scratches on a banister or uh, a broken window, you should have seen that. So don't update your offer based on that. And then be flexible on move-in dates, move-out dates. A lot of buyers are giving the sellers week, two, three weeks to move out of the home once closing finishes. So free rent for a short period of time. And then lastly, stay cool. Don't don't get into a bidding war unless you are a hundred percent sure. Okay, this is it's a tough environment. Now let's go to Mike in Arizona, looking at AT and T. Yes, hello, uh, Justin. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, I was wondering what your thoughts are on AT and T going forward uh, after this discovery deal. There's talk that AT and T might cut its dividends. Yeah, the they case, they actually are going to cut their dividend. Yes. Yeah, uh, it, knowing that, uh, is this a stock worth owning? What are your thoughts? Um, yeah, you I mean you're not going to get the big popping headline seven percent dividend yield, but I've always said buying a dividend is about buying the company, the underlying value that you're getting uh, by owning that company. Uh, it's still going to be a healthy dividend. It's just not going to be seven percent. And I actually think this deal is smart uh, for AT&T. They're basically spitting off a non-core asset, which is the Time Warner deal, and combining it with Discovery, both have great content. And the media industry right now is one where you need scale and you need distribution. And AT&T has that with, or at least the Time Warner section does has that with. Uh, the HBO Max platform, and I think the discovery content on there is going to be uh, very good, high value, uh, and there's a lot that them as a combined entity can do. And so I think that is a smart strategy. They're also avoiding some taxes. They're they're uh, getting some debt off of their balance sheet, about I think 47 billion dollars of debt. And so I think the the new entity, the new AT&T entity, will be streamlined. It will have a better balance sheet. Yes, the dividend might be lower, but they will free up cash to uh, potentially buy back shares, invest in, in broadband and uh, 5G. And so I like this strategy. I think the, the leadership at AT&T uh, under uh, John Stankey has been very, very good, uh, much better than the previous CEO, Randall Stephenson. And... I, I, I'm a fan. I, the markets it is selling off a bit. It was down about two and a half percent today. It's down a little bit more in, in, in after hours as well. Uh, and I think a lot of it is just focusing on that dividend cut. But as always, you have to look at the entire picture. And they're cutting the dividend because they're carving out a large portion of their revenue of their of their profits. Um, and so it'll be a smaller entity, but I think it'll be one that treats shareholders 
a, a lot better. Um, and they, a lot of people don't like the Time Warner deal, but they're carving it out at a higher valuation than they actually bought it for. So think of what happened with uh, Yahoo and AOL and and uh, Verizon spinning off that. They did it at a loss. Well, they're actually doing this at a gain um, and without the tax consequences. So uh, I'm a fan of this move and be buying on dips. Thanks for the call, Mike. Now let's keep things moving and go back to the Talk Voice Bank now for a question that came in earlier from North Carolina. Hey, Steve and Justin. Jared in North Carolina. Calling about QuantumScape, QS. Price has been falling for the past couple weeks. I think they have some interesting patents. However, it could just be another story stock. Just want to know your thoughts on it. Do you think it's a good opportunity to buy or stay away? Thanks. Love the show. Well, it definitely is a story stock. It's 100% a story stock. It doesn't have any revenue. It's losing money. Now, the story is potentially very good, very, very impactful, <laughs> very value accretive if it comes to fruition and they can perfect the technology in an economical way. Solid state batteries. And there are other co large companies working with QuantumScape to develop this and it has a lot of potential. But it still has a $10 billion valuation. And I've said I need this to be single digits in billions uh, for me to get interested from a risk reward standpoint. And we're getting there. I said in the teens, I'll wake up, I'll start looking at it. So 27 now. So we're not quite there. And it's in a downtrend, and you're right. It is a story stock. But once again, every story stock has its proper value for the odds that that story comes to fruition. And so I'm waiting for the teens, and then I'll start looking at it. Let's go to Steve in Canada, looking at now. Oh, Sid, I'm sorry. Let's go to Sid in Canada, Canada, looking at now. Yeah. Yes, okay. Justin. Um, I'm looking at uh, this talk and trying to study all the parameters. Uh, mm -hmm. Excellent year-on-year -year quarterly growth, good profitability. All numbers looks good. Uh, I'm just trying to understand, since it's already above 450, what's the buying point? And uh, I'm just looking for a long term. So I want to hear your opinion. Thank you for your time. No problem. Yeah, looking at ServiceNow, and this is a very good cloud company. They have high retention rates, and it's hard to argue against the, the actual product because the product has gained traction, so it's make $7 a share next year, but it is trading at $450 to $4 per share. So you're talking somewhere in the neighborhood of a 70-75 P ratio. That's pretty steep. Enterprise value to EBITDA right now is at 149 times. 15 times is tends to be kind of expensive. Trading at about 18 times enterprise value to revenue. So this is the example of a growth name that is now falling out of bed. It's going to revert to the mean, shall we say, of what a reasonable valuation is. And I don't think we're there until 311. $311 a share, I would be my starting place where I would think about owning this name. And this is on my list. This is a very good cloud name, but it's just trading at 
very high multiples. And so 245 would be where I'd be buying it aggressively. 311 is where I'd start thinking about it. Thanks for the call. Now, on almost every podcast, I like to reserve a minute to remind listeners about some of the benefits of working with myself and Steve at our office in KP, at KP Financial in Irvine, California, where we offer unbiased guidance both on and off air, and we practice parallel investing, which means we invest right alongside our clients. So I encourage you to take advantage of our free offer for a portfolio view assessment via telephone, Skype, or go to meetings. You can send us a message through investtalk.com or give us a call at our KPP Financial Offices in Irvine, California at 800-557-5461. We'd love to help you in any way. No obligation. We can just talk and see how we can improve your situation. Next up, a caller question from Michigan, and that's in one minute. There is good news for loyal InvestTalk listeners, their friends, and families. Steve and Justin have recorded a special bonus podcast. Been listening for a while and have got some great advice. This free podcast is available for download anytime. Typically, each day and night, the Invest Talk Call Center receives more voicemail questions than Steve and Justin can fit into a live show format. Hi, guys. Big fan of the show. So in the bonus program, caller questions will be played back from our voice bank and answered with brief, unbiased, and helpful responses. I think for like the next 10 years, commodities are going to be doing very well. It's in the money. You probably just want to sell it. It's a fast-paced learning podcast for the average investor. Absolutely love your show. It's free, so be sure to tell your friends. It can be downloaded now at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and investtalk.com. Look for Rapid Fire Hour. Hi, Justin. This is Tim from Michigan. You've mentioned several times on the show the shift from the big tech names to the value side of the market. And I'm wondering, I still have a significant investment in Apple and Amazon. Would you recommend starting to reduce that somewhat and shift it to the value side? Or is there a particular uh, percentage that uh, we would still want to stick within keeping some of the, the big tech names around? say 3 to 5%. Just wanted to get your advice on what we should do if we're currently investing on the tech side of the market, if we should shift that. Thank you. Well, the answer is yes. You should shift it to some degree. How much depends on your overall strategy uh, and which companies maybe you like better longer term. For example, we still own Apple for a lot of our managed accounts. Even though you know we expect to kind of go through this uh, consolidation period, we still like the company longer term. It's just maybe in the lower percentage of our of our traditional allocation to that particular uh, to, to Apple. Um, so we've reduced it some, and there will be a time, and it doesn't have to be five, seven years from now. Uh, it can be for a quarter or two, where the underlying economic conditions favor growth stocks, and that will happen. Over the last 14 years, growth has outperformed value, but there were there were there were quarters, there were months, there were there were even years where value outperformed uh, growth. So, uh, the underlying conditions can shift in in the the short to medium term, and you can you can overweight them or underweight them, and that's really where you're at now is where you should be underweight 
uh, those particular names. Uh, and also look at the eye of regulators, and that's a big factor here with big tech. I look at big tech similar to uh, the railroads back in uh, the early 1900s, and they just had a monopoly on the rail traffic, right? And the you had that broken up with uh, uh, regulation, and I think that's going to happen with a lot of the big tech names, especially ones that are focused on uh, collecting data and and, and um, really utilizing that data to sell products and, and advertising, etc. And so, to me, those are the type of names I definitely would be the most underweight. Uh, that's why Apple, to us, is the most attractive within the space, simply because it's not reliant on that. It's not reliant on collecting a bunch of data and selling it to, to, to advertisers. It's selling products, and they have an ecosystem uh, that people use. So, you know, it's really just about finding the names from a risk-reward standpoint that uh, you should be overweight or underweight. Um, and in this environment, you should be overweight industrials, commodities, uh, financials, those that benefit from weaker dollar and higher inflation. So, hope that helps and hope that gives some clarity, not just for you, the caller, but uh, everyone else out there. Thanks for the call. 888 chart 888 We have about 10 minutes left in the show to get your call in. Now let's touch quickly on cryptocurrency and taxes. I don't know if you know this, but there's been a couple of recent uh, decisions by courts, one in Boston that approved an IRS summons for to the for payment companies known as Circle and its affiliates to turn over customer records for cryptocurrencies. And in May, a federal judge in San Francisco approved another IRS summons for records for crypto exchange known as Kraken. So what they're going after are people that made a bunch of money on crypto and are not paying taxes on it. And this could, th th I think this is a big reason why a lot of money is flowing to crypto because it's a lot easier to hide your trading. Brokers, they actually have to report stock sales and other information to the IRS so they can check tax compliance. That's why I don't know if you ever not reported interest income or dividend income from a broker bro brokerage account or a bank account. Even if it's small, the IRS will say, hey, you didn't report this. That's happened to me. I think I had one. I just, it was a while ago. I think it was like $8 in interest that I received on some account that I forgot about and I didn't report it. Well, the IRS, throw me a letter. You need to report this $8. And so they're looking at the crypto space in the same way. In fact, in 2016, the IRS received approval to summon Coinbase and information about its 13,000 customers then. And that agency sent letters urging many of them to make sure that their crypto taxes were paid. And that the IRS might take a hard look. So that was Coinbase way back in 2016. So the government is going to is starting to look at crypto and they're going to put a lot of regulation on it. And I think that's the biggest threat in the crypto space right now. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here each and every week is to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So if you're going to call, you want to do it right now at 888 chart
You are listening to Invest Talk. Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888 99Chart. Let's go to Jim in Seattle. He's looking at Ternium, which is a steel producer out of Luxembourg. Do you own it or are you looking to buy it? Uh, looking to buy it, possibly. Um, I was also looking at Steel Dynamics, and I don't know. I don't know if I'm late to the game or not, but uh, just thought I'd see what you thought about those. Well, I do think that you're looking at an area that's a bit overbought right now and probably is going to cool over probably the balance of the year. Say that. But I like the name. Uh, historically, it has pretty good profitability. Uh, I wouldn't say it's best uh, in the industry. One thing I do like is that it's globally diversified. It produces flat steel in Mexico, Brazil, Argentina, Colombia, the southern U.S., Central America. So, I mean, I guess it's uh, focused on the Americas. But in a business that historically is up and down, um, I like that it is has a lot of production overseas. Uh, so if the dollar is going to decline, that will likely benefit their business. And it's producing a lot of cash flow, and it's doing very, very well in this environment. And if governments globally are going to stimulate via fiscal, uh, using infrastructure as the main source, steel is going to be in high demand. And whether you, whether you're, and if you're going to green energy, you use a lot of steel in building cars and and uh, solar panels, etc. So I like what you're looking at. Do I like it more than Steel Dynamics? I would say probably. So uh, I like what you're looking at, but I'd be waiting for an oversold uh, dip to buy into. Thanks for the call. All right, looking in the clock, I think we can fit one more caller question right now. So let's grab it. This came in earlier from Ohio on 888-99-CHART. Hi, uh, Dave from Ohio. Love your podcast. I'm hooked. Listen to it every night. My question is, I met with a financial advisor last week, and he's pushing me to buy an annuity, index annuity. My thoughts are, I could probably do a better job investing the money than an insurance company. Your thoughts on annuities. I'll be looking forward to your answer. Thank you. You do not meet with a financial advisor. You met with a salesperson. He is not a financial advisor. He knows very little about, uh, it's unlikely he knows much about the investment world. He's there to sell you a product. And he's going to get a huge commission, 8, 9, 10% by selling you that indexed annuity. You do not need it. If you want to index, you can go do it yourself using Betterment or some kind of robo-advisory service if you just want to do that. And if you and that's going to be the better way to go. Okay, longer term, you will do much, much better. Remember, the reason that these insurance companies are paying huge commissions to the salespeople is because they're very profitable for the insurance company. Very profitable, and that's why they can give away, you know, ten percent of the amount that you're purchasing uh, to a salesperson because the fees are very, very high. So. You do not need it. 
You need to run away from him. You need to go meet with a fiduciary. That person is not a fiduciary. They're a commissioned sales person. And so you need to find a fiduciary, whether that's us or someone else in your area, that is a pure fiduciary. Not, oh, they have their Series 7 and they're a broker, but they're also an RAA. No. They need to be a pure fiduciary, hopefully just an RAA. They don't collect any commissions whatsoever. And then they will be able to drive your decision making into an area that is beneficial for you because that's what they have to. That's what we have to do for our clients. We have to act always in the best interest of our clients because we are a fiduciary. That salesperson or a broker does not need to act in your best interest. They're under what is called the suitability standard. And he's looking at you saying it's, this annuity is suitable for you. Even if it's not the best, it's suitable for you, meaning it has the right risk tolerance for you. But that's not the best way to execute your particular risk tolerance. Okay? But it is the best way to get him a big commission. So I hope you understand that dynamic, and I hope you look for somebody else to talk to. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening, and we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads. They're for free over at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play, and always, always, investtalk.com. You can browse by topic as well, 401ks, crypto, real estate, growth stocks, tech stocks, whatever it is, it'll help you kind of hone in on the topics of interest. That's a tip for you and your friends. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listening line at 888-99-CHART.